0: Welcome to our sermon. I am Pastor Nathan Escarraga, and I am sure that God will speak to you through his word today. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the, the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, and as he began ministry, that's when the anointing of the Spirit came upon him. The last uh, number of weeks, we've been going through the anointed series on Sunday mornings, and if you uh, haven't caught it or you've had difficulty catching it, um, you need to go to the website, and you can catch the live service that which includes uh worship so there's uh the worship team is here as well and that's only on the website and uh if you go down uh on the main page to uh, live stream you can catch that that live service is on f- until the following week and then it sort of gets bumped out however the message is uh on on the uh, the website on uh, lighthouseniagara.com and also you can catch those then on um on YouTube as well, if you're going there. Uh, On YouTube, for the Sunday morning uh, service, you won't catch it until the afternoon, probably around 4 o'clock-ish. And uh, uh, for the Wednesday night service, because we're pre-recording at this time, uh, you'll catch it at the 7 o'clock time. You can get it on the website, LighthouseNiagara.com. Uh, under the live stream, or you can also catch it on YouTube direct as well for the Wednesday night. So just note that difference. Um, and uh, if once again, if you haven't caught the Anointed series, uh, go back. At, we're in five or six sessions on that, and uh, you can catch all of those. And let others know. Share it with others that they uh, get a chance to hear uh, the message as well, powerful messages. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need the anointing of the Spirit upon us as was upon Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And um, I'm just asking tonight, uh, it's, as you're catching this service, it's a Wednesday night, and uh, that maybe today would be your last day if you want to do a 10-day fast uh, starting tonight. And heading to uh, Pentecost Sunday, which will be in 10 days. And just pray, God, that there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon me, uh, upon yourself. And not just just me, I'm saying to you that the Holy Spirit would be empowering you, that we can be witnesses. And we can, just as Jesus began his ministry uh, to those uh, that were poor, to preach the gospel to the poor. And uh, healing to the brokenhearted, liberty to the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, and liberty to those who are oppressed. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. We need to proclaim that the Lord desires to do work in that at this time so let's pray and fast if you can only fast one meal in the next 10 fast just one if you can fast one meal per day fast one meal per day if you feel the Lord putting on your heart to fast for a longer period of time or even possibly the all 10 days be obedient uh, to the spirit unctioning upon you but let's fast and pray and let's believe for that outpouring of the holy spirit that he said would be in the last days in Joel 2:28 to 32 that people would call on the name of the lord and would be saved as we proclaim the gospel of jesus christ hallelujah let's just open in prayer this uh, evening as we uh, get into the word tonight lord we just thank you that you are preeminent you are above all. All power and authority has been given to you. And, Lord, I pray that we would make you preeminent in our lives. Lord, you don't force yourself upon us. You don't force yourself upon any single person. But I pray tonight that we would put you first in our lives. And, Lord, even as we submit to your lordship, that you would lead us by your spirit, you would empower us with your spirit, and that we would do the work uh, that, is, that you have set us to do. Lord, the things you have have called us to do, the things that you would have us do before you return. Lord, you are coming soon. There is much work to be done. And Lord, I pray that we would do that work, uh, that your name would be glorified, you would be exalted, Jesus, and that many would come to know you yet in these last days. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2 from verse 15. We'll be focusing in on this verse. Uh, throughout, and we'll uh, there's going to be a lot of passages we'll get to, and I'm not sure how far I'll get if I'll finish tonight or not. I'll see how it goes, uh, but just let's read this together. Colossians 2, verse 15. It says, "Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, tri- triumphing over them in it." Now you might ask, what is he? What is this passage? passage referring to this in it to to triumph over the enemy in it so what is this in it so if we can just go back a few verses to to verse 11 Colossians 2 verse 11 and we'll get an idea and we've been focusing on this these uh uh, verses here for the last number of weeks uh, and it's really having about having victory and having fullness of life in so many different areas. And tonight, specifically, to have victory over the enemy, to overcome the enemy. I want you to know tonight, uh, you might have this idea that Satan is all-powerful and that there's nothing you can do against him. With the Lord, being preeminent in your life, and as you, yes, your faith is in Jesus Christ and what he did for you 2,000 years ago, there is nothing that the enemy can do to you to over overcome you. He may attempt to. I'm not saying you won't have battles, but you will have victory every time. And we're going to see that tonight. And uh, so going to from verse 11, Colossians 2 verse 11, it says, In him, in Jesus Christ, you were also circumcised or cut off "...with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of sins of the flesh." So our flesh was cut off, or cut, or, and crucified, if you would, by the circumcision of Christ, by His cutting off. When was Jesus cut off? 2,000 years ago on the cross. "...and we were buried with Him in baptism," this baptism in death, "...in which you also were raised with Him through faith, by faith, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So we are also raised, and we'll see that in the next few verses. It says, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. That's how we were. We were dead. And we were, there was no cutting off of the flesh. Our flesh was fully alive. And it was just rampantly doing things that we didn't even want to have done. This is before we came to the Lord. In fact, we were ignorant of, of uh, where we, ha- we were headed. We were ignorant of the fact that we were dead in trespasses and sins. And so our flesh was, ca- was we were catering. In fact, if you're listening tonight and you're an unbeliever, your flesh is dictating to you and the and this and satan himself is is catering everything is catering to the flesh what i want it's what all about what i want what makes me feel good and so this was before, before you as as you are not a believer or before you were saved this is where you're at and where we were at where i was at but he has made alive together with him we were made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And we, we lo- talked about that last time and, and just recognizing that there was a lot against us in all the, 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 the commandments, all the law, the Old Testament, and recognizing that we couldn't keep the, tes- the, the, the law. Ten commandments in Exodus chapter 20. Of those 10 commandments, how many of those have you broken? I'll tell you, you've probably broken most of them. And the other 603 commandments of the Old Testament, you say, I don't even know what they are. All the different things of the law. Who knows? All of them. Have you kept them? Absolutely not. We're guilty. And so here we are. There was requirements against us by God himself. And Satan used, used that. Especially up until the cross, there was this usage uh, uh, or this this coming to God uh, of Satan to accuse. And we'll, we'll read a little bit about that today. But, verse 14, the end of it, it says, And he has taken it out of the way, everything that was against us, the things of God that were against us and us having broken the law. He took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The cross is the place and, and the means whereby all this was taken care of. And it wasn't just handwriting on the cross, but it was Jesus Christ dying for us on the cross because he died for us that all of this was taken care of. Now, verse 15, and this is what we're focusing in on tonight. Having disarmed principalities. So they are no longer armed to be against us, but they're disarmed now principalities and powers we're talking about the spiritual realm we are talking about demons and the fact that they are uh, unable to to have an impact on us to overwhelm us or overcome us they they may attempt they may try but as long as we uh, keep our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross we have victory and we'll see that uh tonight he, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In what again? In his death on the cross. In Colossians 1 verse 13, uh, once again, we will see in the first chapter, uh, in a few verses here, we see that this has happened. It says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness the power of Satan and of darkness, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, praise God, in whom we have redemption through his blood. So we have been redeemed. We've been bought with a price through his blood, by his blood, by his death, the forgiveness of sins. We have forgiveness of sins. We have, we've been cleansed and washed. Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I say firstborn, there's this aspect of coming, going from death to life over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, invisible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So he is preeminent, Jesus Christ Christ is preeminent now we're talking tonight about victory over the enemy and specifically we want to talk about victory over satan and when i say satan i also include the the lesser principalities and powers and demons that are are there coming against us Uh, so just a few things about the enemy number one he he is a a fallen angel satan is not a god satan's not a god he is an angel A fallen angel. Before he fell, he was created by God. In fact, all angels were created by God for God. So Satan was an angel. In fact, his name was Lucifer. Lucifer means light bearer or shining one. So uh, Satan was a very beautiful angel that existed and was in the presence of God. And in Isaiah 14, verse 12, it talks about him being the son of the morning. So it says in, in, in Isaiah 14, 12, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, listen, so this is what caused him to fall. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. We're talking about in heaven. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. And then a conclusion regarding his his, uh, ambitions and his heart it says in verse 15 yet you shall be brought down to sheol to the lowest depths of the pit so satan has fallen he was a an angel that served god and because angels have free will just like you and i he chose to rebel and and even in his heart the things of pride i'm going to i'm going to exalt my throne so there's this thing of pride and The moment as he even thought those thoughts, there was this fall that took place. And since that point, there has been uh, uh, an attack against all that is of God and was created by God. So Satan is coming against. But he is one angel, a fallen angel, and he can only be in one place at one time. He is not omnipresent. And we see that in Job 1, verse 6, that he can't be everywhere at once. So he is limited and confined to being only in one place at a time. Job 1, verse 6 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. So it wasn't like he could be everywhere or anywhere at one time, but he's confined to just one, uh, one space uh, at a time, one place at a time. Now, it's interesting if you read in Job chapter 41, there's a description of a, of a, a dragon in that chapter to... Uh, Job 41, this dragon that is described as being Leviathan. A lot of times people say Leviathan while well, it was some kind of creature that lived or whatever that was on the face of this earth. But it's interesting that the very last verse, like we, we have Job beginning with God and Satan coming into his presence and we have the end of this book and we have Satan being described, at it's, it's well, the last verse in Job 41, it says, he beholds every high thing. Just like in Luke or Isaiah 14, where it says, I will exalt my throne above the stars of, of, of God. So he he's, there's this thing of beholding every high thing and saying, ah, that's where I'm going to be. And it says in the last verse, it says here, or verse 34, Job 41, 34, it says, he is king over all the children of pride he is king over all the children of pride it took me a long time to figure out the book of job but it came down to one thing in job 13 verse 15 he says though he slay me though god will slay me and and things happen against me yet will i trust in him sounds like a great verse but the second part of that verse says I want to come before God to defend myself, my actions, my righteousness. I want to come and defend my righteousness. And in that is the problem of the entire book of Job, even as his friends came, you must have done something wrong. He hadn't, but his faith was in his own righteousness. And that was the downfall for job and we see in chapter 42 the very last chapter 41 talks about yeah the king of pride satan himself and satan was attempting to 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 say to god even at the beginning he says just take away the hedges take away the things and uh, and job will curse you yet the beautiful thing as job meets up with god in chapters 38 right to 42 when he finally comes in and has a chance to talk to God. He humbles himself before God. What a beautiful thing. And he recognizes, oh my goodness, my righteousness, basically my righteousness is like filthy rags before a a just and holy God. When it comes to the battles that we fight against the enemy, I'll tell you right now, Satan will do whatever he can. He will do whatever he can to have your faith shift off of jesus christ and him crucified it is only there that the righteousness as our faith is in who jesus is and what he did for us on the cross that the righteousness of god is available for us it is only there that we have covering it is only in that place that we are safe and we'll look at that as we go along today hallelujah Colossians 1.17, and this this verse and 18 talks about the fact that God will never force, Jesus will never force himself to make him, himself Lord in your life. It is a choice you make. Listen to what it says. And he is before all things, and in him, in him all things consist. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus is before all things. He's above all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church. So as a believer, we are members within the in the body of Christ. We are part of the church, his church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So even as he came to the earth, or even before that, he is he was before time began. He always existed. But he's the firstborn from the dead. Even as he came to this earth 2,000 years ago, he raised from the dead after he died. Praise God. That in all things, he may have the preeminence. The Lord Jesus wants for us to put him preeminent in our lives, even as there's a recognition on the fact that he is the firstborn from the dead, that he did die for us, first of all, and that he was raised from the dead and that he is on the right hand of the Father. So, in a nutshell, if you don't remember anything from today, the only way that you have victory over Satan and his hordes is in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. That is the way you need to live every single day of your life. You, that is where the victory is, and that is what Satan's going to do. He will attempt for your faith to shift to something else. So victory over the the enemy, how? Only by faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now before we were saved, who had us? Who do we belong to? I was talking to somebody this week, and they were afraid about giving their life to Jesus. They're saying, I don't know if I want to give my life to Jesus because then all hell will rake loose because Satan's going to be against me. I said, "Well, so what? So you have a great life here on Earth because Satan's not attacking you because you already belong to him. So you're going to spend eternity apart from him. Like, really think about it. So I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to serve God because I don't want to have any battle or I don't want to have Satan come against us. Can I just say this? What a lie from the enemy!" In that, this individual anyways, and Satan himself would have us think that we are unable to overcome him in any way. And yet the Lord is saying that we can have victory over Satan each and every single time that he may come against us simply by our, where our faith is, is in and who it is in and what that individual or that being, uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, did for us 2,000 years ago on the cross as he died for us. So, who had us before we were saved? Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. The Lord Jesus made us alive. The Father made us alive because we were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according according to the prince of the power Of the air who is the prince of the power of the air that's Satan so we walked according to the the way this world walks according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience so Satan had has you is influencing you is is working in you as sons of disobedience and you might say Sons of dis- disobedient to who? To God. What was your attitude, or what is your attitude towards God, or was towards God before you got saved? Po- probably it was, uh, at best, I-, I didn't even think about him. So there's a total lack of acknowledgement, which is, Satan says, perfect. Don't want you to acknowledge God. I don't want you to believe that God even exists. In fact, I don't even want you to believe that I exist. Just continue to believe the lie a lie. There is no God. There is no Satan. There is no life after death. So there's a thing of ignorance. That's maybe where you were at. Or you might have been in a place of irritation. Oh, I hate, man, those Christians, followers of God. You know, they're so right, self-righteous and, and they think they, they, they got it all together. So there's an irritation. Or there might even be uh, uh, an attempt to be a good person but recognizing you, f- you fail again and again and you're being trying to be good. Here, the Lord is saying that that's where we were. In verse 3, "...among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others." So there's thing of, you know what, as, as much as you wanted to do and be good, it always came back down to yourself. There's a catering to the flesh. We conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, just like everybody else who is a child of, or a son of disobedience influenced by the prince of the power of the air. That's where we were before we gave our life to Jesus, before our faith was in Christ. In verse 4, it talks about who saved us. It says, but God. So God is the one who, is, who saves us, and we'll see how. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. So it's the grace of God saying, hey, I want you to come alive. I want you to be set free from your sins, and you can be alive together with Christ. And he's raised us up, verse 6. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So here we have God the Father. We have Jesus Christ that we, that allows us to have life even to be raised and sit together. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus oh man God loves you so much Jesus Christ died for you so that we can have the grace of God for all eternity just given to us I'll tell you what is yet to come I, I just thank God as dark as this world may be, I just say, thank you, Lord. Life is so good in you. I'm not saying it's necessarily easy, but in you there is peace, there is hope, there is love, there is purpose, there is direction, there is wisdom, there is knowledge, there is an eternity ahead of us. I just say, thank you, Lord. But look at how we were saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It wasn't because of what you did, but your faith is in one who did something for you and took care of the, all that separated us from God, which was our sin. One sin separated us from God, and he took care of one, the one sin and all the sins. And we were saved through faith And that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, not of anything that we can do, lest anyone should boast. Say, well, hey, I'm a good person. I did it on my own. I deserve. Like, like Job, he was saying, I just want to have a chance to, tell, to talk to God and say, hey, I'm a righteous person. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. We were saved by faith in Jesus Christ, for we are his workmanship. We were created by God, created in Christ Jesus for good works. There was a a making alive, a creating of newness of life in Christ Jesus to do good works, to do good things, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Beforehand, you may say, before what? Before you were even created, before you were even born. God says, I know that Dave's going to exist and that Dave... This, these are the plans that I have for Dave. I just say thank you Lord, for the plans that you have for me they are good and the plans that God has specifically for you are good. Hallelujah. For by grace we have been saved through faith and not of ourselves and yourselves. It is the gift of God lest anyone, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So it was through the work of Jesus Christ, on the cross 2,000 years ago, that we were saved from our sins, but also we were released from the dominion of sin, the power of sin over our lives, and also the power of Satan in our lives. So now we get to the point where he's saying, oh, I don't like the fact that you came to life. I don't like the fact that you're no longer under my control, so I'm going to attempt to steal, kill, and destroy you if possible. And the beautiful thing is, Even as Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In that very same sentence, he says, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So even as as Satan may want to come attack us, the Lord is saying, oh, don't you worry, but you, you will have life and you will have it more abundantly full. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Praise God. And last week, we talked about these things. But tonight, this thing of Satan... As believers, now, as, as an unbeliever, we're dead in trespasses. He's lying to us. He's sidetracking you, and he's got you. But as believers, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Satan will attempt to come to us at different times, or even his, his little minions uh, will come, and, and there's lies. Thoughts that will come into our, our, our existence and our mind because he's a liar and the father of lies look what it says in John 8 from verse 37 and this is Jesus talking to the uh to the Jews that were there assembled as he's speaking he says i know that you are abraham's descendants but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you now he's talking even about the religious leaders those that were religious leaders the pharisees those that were the keepers of the the old testament law or they were ch- Attempting to keep the law to the letter and then adding stuff to it, he says, "I speak that I I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do not, uh, and you do what you have seen with your father." So Jesus is talking about my fa- his father, and then he's talking about your father. You do the things of your father. They answered and said to him, "Abraham is our father. We're descendants of Abraham. He's our father." Jesus said to them, "If you were Abraham's children," You would do the works of Abraham. The works of Abraham, what were they? It was because of his, his faith in the word that God had given to him. It was accounted to him as righteousness. Those were his works. They were works of faith. And so here he's, he's saying, but you now seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did, did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, nor, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Why? He, so he answers the question himself. He says, because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of, now listen, this is where the unbeliever or the religious person is. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. We're talking now about Satan and that they're children of Satan. If, you're, if you don't have God, here's your father is Satan. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so I want you to know tonight, as believers, Satan may come to you, and he is the father of lies. And what he does, he lies to us. He would lie to us that we would not listen to him, or we'd not hear, or grab a hold of those lies. He's a liar. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Tonight, that you would hear the word of God. I'm, there's many passages that I'll be referring to. You need to grab a hold of the word of God, not of the things of the enemy. The enemy comes and he lies. He comes to intimidate. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, so be aware. When you're not sober, you're not aware of what's going on around you or your thinking is inhibited. Be sober, be clear-headed, be vigilant, watchful, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So he's there, he's, he wants to intimidate. And listen how what it says here. It says, resist him. How? Steadfast in the faith. And we're going to recognize how important faith is tonight. The way you resist Satan is steadfast in the faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. These two things together. Not just knowing about Jesus Christ. Not just knowing that he died for you. But believing, yes, that's where my, my faith needs to be for victory. Daily, daily, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 9 again, resist him, Satan. Resist Satan, steadfast, steady in the face, faith. faith. Don't let go, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. In other words, yep, yeah, Satan is coming against others at different points, and they are experiencing this, these attacks, this intimidation by the enemy. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, that you would be perfected, established, strengthened, and settled. He wants to perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Praise God to be steadfast in the faith of who Jesus is and what he did for us. The one thing that Satan wants to do is he wants for you to have your faith go off, go off track, because that is what protects us from his attacks. Ephesians 6, verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Now, when it comes to all the armor that we may be having, and, and we'll read a little bit more on that, all the armor, it says, above all, above all the armor that you have, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, of Satan. It doesn't say some. It says all of them. So what will Satan try to do? Satan's going to say, if if I can get the faith of the individual to shift off of Jesus Christ and him crucified, basically what they're doing is they're putting down the shield or they're tossing the shield aside, and now Satan is going to get you every single time with those fiery darts. He will get you. So the one thing that Satan will attempt to do to, to, to uh, get you to be overcome is to have you shift your faith off of Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross onto yourself or onto your works, onto someone else or onto the church or whatever it may be, as long as it's not Jesus Christ and him crucified. If he can do that, you are defenseless from the, from the arrows. So... How do you defend yourself from an arrow that is, is is going faster than you can move? There's When you have a shield, you don't have to move because the shield is right between you and the arrows that are flying at you. So Satan, that's why the Lord says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Praise God. Praise God. The things of armor that God has for us helps us to be strong. It says in Ephesians 6 verse 10, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the tricks, the strategies of the devil. The Lord is saying, you can stand. You've got the armor. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against people but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're talking about fighting against the spiritual realm, and we're talking about uh, the foe, Satan, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age that are, are influencing this age, this time, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So these different levels of of the, the, the demonic spiritual realm around us. And it says there, it says in verse 13, "'Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, "'that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, "'and having done all, to stand.'" And I just I just love this verse, as we take on the whole armor of, of God, and the whole armor of God is one person, and what He did for us on the cross. He is the full armor to us, And especially as our faith is in him, every fiery dart is quenched. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. In other words, when the battle's done, you're still standing. Every single time, you're still standing. I'm not saying that there's not a long battle. I'm not saying that it's not a hard battle. I'm not saying that it's not difficult. But what I am saying is that when it's done... You will be standing. Why? Because your faith has remained in Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness. He is our salvation. He is our truth. He is our peace. And our faith should be in him. He is the word of God. He is the sword of the spirit. He is everything that we need to overcome. Jesus Christ and him crucified, and we overcome. Stand there, having girded your waist with truth having the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Listen, if you want to move forward, be prepared to share the gospel of peace, the good news of peace that only comes through Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. That you would be prepared to declare that at any point, and you will move forward. Praise God. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in his spirit. Being watchful to this end and with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And we're going to, we'll get a little bit more into to this as we go along. Praise God. To remain strong. Listen, battle sometimes makes us tired. We get tired. When you're, you know what, I can remember in grade 9 and 10, um, one of the things that we did in phys ed, one of the, it might, I think it might have been grade 10. We are, uh, we are wrestling. We, we, well, we took wrestling as one of the units of study. So we were doing this Roman Greco wrestling. So you'd start off in the middle of the, of the, of the mats. And so you'd have one person on the bottom, sort of on all fours, the other person on top. And so there was this thing of wrestling. Now, and actually now as I think back it was it was grade 10 and I can remember wrestling against this guy who was probably uh, a good five or six inches shorter than I but he was part of the wrestling team and I could remember I was stronger than him but he was was definitely had strategies that i I was unaware of and and didn't have the experience so even though i had more weight on him even though i had more strength on him this guy was able to like i really i'll tell you it was hard to wrestle against this individual now i'm just saying to you when it comes to satan (laughs) the lord is saying listen maybe hard but you will win every single time you will win every single time and so when it comes to remaining strong. We're going we're to look at some things that, that we can do to remain strong, but the main thing is is where your faith is at. So let's go to Colossians 1, verse 19, and this is key. This is key to you winning every single time. It is in your faith and who your faith is in and what, that, what Jesus did for us on the cross. That is where it's at. So Colossians 1, verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. Fullness of, of everything, of life. And by him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself. So that reconciliation is to, be, to have relationship, right relationship with, with God. And it's by him, through Jesus. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace, how do we have that peace or reconciliation? Listen, verse 20, right at the end, through the blood of his cross. Let me read verse 20 again. And by him, through Jesus Christ, to reconcile all things to himself by him, Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. There it is. And and then he expands on it. He says in verse 21, "...and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled, how? In the body of his flesh through death, to present you and me holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight." We are in perfect standing before God. Why? Because of who he is and what he did for us on the cross. The fact that he died. His blood was shed for us and he died for us. And so we have now right standing with God. 23 is the key to continuing on to remain strong. He says, if, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved from the hope of the gospel this good news which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven of which i paul became a minister that we would not shift our faith to anything else because the moment you shift your faith i'll tell you is a moment that you will become will be overcome your shield goes down the darts are coming at you you are totally exposed And it's like, okay, I'm going to try, like, only in in Hollywood can you take out arrows with a sword or with a lightsaber. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, that's, that's Hollywood. A shield of faith. That's a reality when it comes to Satan and the darts that he might shoot your way, the fiery darts he may shoot your way. Every single one of them quenched, all of them, by faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, Along with your faith, there's a help to your faith as, as well. And this is, this is the Holy Spirit. And, and um, the Holy Spirit works through where your faith is at. If your faith is somewhere else, you basically hinder the Holy Spirit. You grieve the Holy Spirit. You, you hamstring the Holy Spirit. You're basically saying, no, Holy Spirit, I don't need you because my faith is over here. The Holy Spirit works only through your faith being in Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Now we talked about this a few weeks back, the fact that, that we can have, we do have, the moment we get saved, we have a earnest or portion of the Spirit that comes in into us a portion of the holy spirit jesus had the spirit without measure And you say well can there be a portion go back a few weeks and listen to listen to the message the messages yes you can have a portion but when you get baptized in the holy spirit you have the fullness of the spirit without measure and it does have to do with with surrender of yourself to jesus to allow him to baptize you in the holy spirit Jesus is the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, without measure, is for you. And Jesus is the one that baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. And this is what we're fasting about starting tomorrow. So tonight, last meal, or if you're going to fast those 10 days, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Not to say you even have to fast. But you're saying, man, I need your spirit at this time. The fullness of your Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in, in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, I just want to say this. About the baptism in the Holy Spirit, if there's anything that Satan hates, it is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The last thing he wants is for you to be moving and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus was when he began his ministry as he was anointed... The anointing always start with the, the priests. When they were anointed with oil, and this is a representative of the Holy Spirit, it was always at the beginning of their ministry. If you want to do a powerful work in these last days, that you would be anointed, that we would be anointed in the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work, just like Jesus. Now, we can do ministry without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But there is something at another level when the Spirit is able to operate without measure as we totally surrender to Jesus to baptize us and as we ask the Father, I want this Holy Spirit that you're promised to me. Satan hates this. I don't want you just to have defense against Satan. I want you to be moving in victory, in fact, moving forward and moving against Satan. We need to do that in these last days. There is a work that needs to be done, not in our own strength, not in our own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we can move forward, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Satan hates when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, immersed in the Holy Spirit, and moving forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, verse 4, and you might say, how do I know I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? It says in Acts 2, 4, it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. To speak with other tongues, to speak in other languages. You might say, oh, man, really? Just a few things about speaking in tongues on a regular basis, okay? And this is the very first thing. This is just one thing of many that the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us. And I, I've said this many, many times. The most grievous mistake I made when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and I began to speak with other tongues was saying, oh, I've arrived, I've got it, check, check, boom, Another. move on to the next thing. And I didn't understand that the one thing that he had given me initially, this speaking in tongues, is something that I needed to do on a regular basis, to do it regularly. You might say, well, what does that do? speaking in tongues allows us to speak to God by the help of the Holy Spirit. If Satan doesn't want you to do anything or effectively is speak to God. And especially under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, because now we're not, we're not talking to God, stupid things like, hey, God, give me a billion dollars. I want to have this beautiful house with many cars and whatever. And it's like, you know what? Don't seek your treasure here on this earth but that your treasures would be from above and of above and that are eternal. The things that we have on this planet that we might acquire will one day, they're going to go. You know it. How long does something last? Eventually it just goes. In fact, sometimes it may still have the same shine but you realize, man, that's not all it was. I I just, I don't feel anything. It doesn't do anything for for me anymore. It's just how many times has that happened to you? The appeal of something you want it to have is suddenly gone. That there would be things that are fro- that are stored up in heaven above that are eternal. And when it comes to Satan hating the things of, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he hates it when we speak in tongues regularly. What happens? We speak to god by the help of the holy spirit it says in first corinthians 14 verse 2 it says for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to god so when you're speaking in tongues you are speaking directly to god for no one understands him however in the spirit he speaks mysteries so you, but you are speaking to god when you speak in tongues it's powerful you might say what does it does do And this is where uh, Satan, once again, he hates this. He doesn't want your spirit, you communicating with God directly, and not foolishness, but good things inspired by the Holy Spirit. When you speak in tongues, you are being edified. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4, it says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now, if you read this in context with the whole chapter, speaking in tongues is not meant like personal speaking tongues is not meant for anybody else. It is meant for you to be edified. When it comes to others, that there would be, if it's, if there is a tongue that, that's meant for everybody, that it would be interpreted. Tongues and interpretation. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about gifts of the Spirit, tongues and interpretation. That personal tongues that you get when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit is something different. It is meant for you personally. And it says here that... When you speak in tongues, you are edified. What does that mean, edified? It means that you are built up. I I call it spiritual bodybuilding. The last thing is that Satan wants and he knows is that when you speak in tongues regularly, not in church, but on your own, when you're on your own, you're going to work, when you're in the shower, when you're on a walk or whatever, in in a quiet place, you're praying in the spirit, you are being you're doing spiritual bodybuilding, and the last thing Satan wants is your spirit to be strong. That's why he doesn't. That's why he doesn't like the baptism in the Holy Spirit, because he doesn't want people to be strong. Their spirit to be strong. So speaking in tongues allows your spirit to be built up, to be edified. I like what Paul says in in at the beginning of verse five. He says, "I wish you all spoke with tongues." This is. I wish you were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. You all spoke. Spoke with tongues. He goes on to say, but in a church setting, I would want for you to prophesy so that everybody's edified. But on your own, when you're on your own, for goodness sake, that you would speak in tongues because you are being built up. Not only that, in that same chapter, speaking in tongues allows for your spirit to be refreshed and rested up. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, it says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. This is what Paul is saying, that I speak in tongues more. He, he's letting us know how much he's speaking in tongues, not because he's boasting, because he's telling us the importance of it. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. I already explained that. Speaking in tongues is for you personally to be edified. And, and the, the heart of God is that we would all speak in tongues, that our spirit would be allowed to speak to God by the unctioning of the Holy Spirit. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Now, this passage here is referring to Isaiah 28, verse 11 and 12. Listen to what it says in 11 and 12. It's like, Oh my goodness, this is exactly what it is about speaking in other tongues. Sometimes it sounds like there's a stammering, stammering lips. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people, to whom he said, this, this stammering lips and another tongue, that he's speaking, we're speaking to him, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to us to speak to him. He says, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing and then interesting here, it says, yet they would not hear. There are so many Christians that totally say, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not accepting that. And they refuse the rest and refreshing that comes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and specifically in speaking in tongues. I don't know how many times I have been rested and refreshed by just praying in the Spirit. Before the service started, I was still waiting here, and there's time. So I was just back and forth, just praying in the Spirit speaking in tongues, a rest and a refreshing. I just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Satan hates this. We're, not, we're talking about not just having victory over Satan. We're talking about slamming him. We're talking about walking over him. We're talking about moving forward. Why? Because people need to be saved. Speaking in tongues also is a part of worship to Jesus. Satan doesn't want Jesus to be worshiped. And, and in Acts chapter 2... Uh, it talked about the different languages that, that were heard by others. It's saying, hey, we hear them speaking all these different language, languages. And in verse 11, Acts two eleven, it says, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. When you declare the wonderful works of God to God, what is that? There is this thing of worship and praise and exalting of God and here it's being done in another language. Satan hates that. When it comes to worship, he would rather we worship him or we, or at the, at the very least do not worship God. And here speaking in tongues, there's different points where it is just a worship unto God. Praise God. Speaking in tongues is doing battle with the sword of the Spirit. We already read this passage, Ephesians 6, verse 17. I'm going to read it in the King James Version. And, I, and I've been using this, this thing of the colon as being an equal sign. So when you see a colon, and I like the King James, King James Version, they, they're putting the colons and semicolons and, and, and whatever, the uh, punctuation, in the right places. It says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and now a colon. So when we, when we use the sword of the spirit, when we take the word of God, it is like a sword for the enemy. Now, if the enemy, we're talking an offensive weapon. The shoes prepared with the gospel of peace, a preparation, I'm, I'm going to declare Jesus Christ and him crucified, allows us to move forward easily. We're not walking or running barefoot over the terrain. We're now running or walking or moving forward with our shoes, or feet covered, and the sword. The the shield and the sword as we're moving forward, we're doing battle against the enemy. Satan wants you to be without a sword. He would much rather just be on the defensive, always on the defensive. The Lord is saying, no, 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 I want you to go on the offense. And this is what I'm saying today. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to go on the offense. And you might say, well, where does the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit come in? Look at what the colon says. After the colon, equal sign. So one side being equal to the other. It says, praying Always, with all prayer and supplication, in the Spirit. And I like in the, the King James Version, they put uppercase S. Uppercase. In the New King James Version, I think it's just lowercase S. It's right there. By the Holy Spirit. We are praying. The Holy Spirit gives us what to say, our spirit what to say, and now we're, we're speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and it should immediately be able to come on you. At any time you want to pray in the spirit, that you or speak in the spirit, you and pray in the spirit, you can, and you are taking out a sword against the enemy. I thank God. This is what He has for you to to be on the offense, not just to be. Oh, I I I survived that on that onslaught of the enemy. I survived it. Whoo, I made it. No no no, it's like no, let's get going forward. We need to move forward as a church as individuals and we need to take out the enemy and go over him. And when it comes to ministering to others, as Jesus says, the spirit of God is upon me. The whole, the spirit is upon me. And it's and he goes to say, I want to that the poor would hear the gospel. And that all these different things of ministry to those that are are bound and blind and captive and and need liberty and now is the acceptable time of the year, or the year of the Lord, the acceptable year of the Lord, that there is, it is now that we move forward to minister to others. God wants to do that through you in the power of the Holy Spirit, that they would have not just deliverance, but salvation. Listen, I want you to know, deliverance is one thing. You know what? You can be set free from demons or whatnot, and as the house is cleaned up and there's nothing else that's happened, Seven more will come to take the place of one, and it's worse, it's seven times worse than it was before. I'm telling you, deliverance is only for the sake of 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 to be set free, but that there would be a filling of the house with the Holy Spirit as there's an acceptance of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To go forward in battle. Speaking in tongues, listen. Listen to this, Jude chapter 1, verse 17. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. And they're talking about not just the world, but even within the church, or would be in the church, In the last days, they walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. So it's, we're talking within the church, causing problems within the church, sensual persons. That's all about gratifying my own flesh. Who cause divisions, not having the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 20. But you, beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. goes on to say, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ until eternal life. Basically, you would love the Lord and you will make it for eternal life. Praying in the Spirit so your faith does not falter. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Satan would have you believe it's only for some. It's not for me. I'm telling you now, that is a lie from the enemy. You need to press in and come to the Father and say, Father, you said you'd promise the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I come to you, and I want you, Jesus, to baptize me in your spirit. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And you press into God, and you persist, because God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit and with the power, and that you... We'll make it right to the end. And not just make it. We're we talking about making it well. We're talking about overcoming the enemy. Speaking of faith, Jesus told Peter, just before Peter would deny himself, listen to this passage, Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Or Peter, Peter, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, that he would have his way with you. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now look at the next verse. And this is why Peter faltered. And this is why Jesus prayed for him that his faith would not falter. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And a few minutes later, a few hours later, he would have denied Jesus three times. Three times he denied Jesus that he even knew him. And yet just a few hours before, he's saying, no, 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 Lord, I may, I'm able to. Listen, it's not about what your enthusiasm is. It's not about your determination. It's not about your zeal because it is not enough. It is about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and also where your faith is at. If your faith is in your own self, your own whatever, and it's about where you are at with yourself, your faith in yourself, you will fail. Peter's faith was in himself. He says, I'm ready to go with you, Lord, to prison or to death. I'm willing. I'm ready. I'm depending on myself. And Jesus said... To Peter, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Jesus was praying for Peter's faith. We recognize that that Peter came around, the prayer of faith of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, even for us. His prayer is for our faith, that it would not falter. Above all, taking the shield of faith. To his disciples, And overcoming he says Luke 9 23 says then he said to them if anyone come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me deny yourself your own effort your own zeal your own enthusiasm your own disciplines take up his cross daily and follow me that the cross of Christ would be where we're at it's my cross too I am that's where I'm at where Jesus died on the cross. That's where I'm at daily. Jesus Christ and him crucified by faith, and I'm going to follow you, Jesus. It's only there, taking up the cross, that we can follow Jesus as we deny ourselves. Deny ourselves, take up the cross daily, and follow him. For whoever desires to save his life, if you want to do it on your own, will lose it. But whoever loses his life, I deny myself for my sake, what Jesus did on the cross for us, will save it for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his own fathers and of the, the holy angels. Listen. Your faith that it would be in Jesus Christ and him crucified for your victory, that you would not be ashamed of what, who he is and what he did for you. Never. To be ashamed that is where your faith is at that is where the victory is at that is where you move forward and you overcome the enemy hallelujah <clears throat> revelations 12 verse 10 then i heard a loud voice saying in heaven now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our god and the power of his christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before god day and night has been cast down and listen and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Even in the face of death, they're saying, you know what, I'm not letting go of that faith. That's my, my declaration of faith. You might say, how powerful is what we declare, that our testimony and what we believe, how powerful is it? Well, Romans 10 verse 8 Says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. It's near you, it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. What you speak and what you believe. The heart is where believing takes place, and the mouth is a confession. We're talking about overcoming Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, it's not just mantra. It's just not a phrasing or whatever. It is a declaration of faith and believing in your heart. Look what it says here. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. To be raised from the dead, he had to first die. And that you recognize that he was raised from the dead. There was a resurrection. It says you will be saved if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ as your Lord, the one that is above all, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. We will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, between the religious or the intellectual. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, we use this scripture for when we first come to Jesus. I am telling you, use that same scripture when it comes to your daily walk before the Lord. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died for you, for your situation, to save you in the the battle that you are going through right now. It is not just for the sake of 50 years ago when I gave my life to Jesus. It is for today in the things that I'm going through today. The same thing. I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ died for me, and he rose again. I believe that. I, I, that's where I'm at. I confess it with my mouth, and I believe it in my heart, and the power of the Holy Spirit is there to help you at that moment to get you through the battles that you are going through. This faith, Paul says, I was determined that you would know nothing. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I have been preaching this again and again. And I don't know how many different times and ways I can say it, but this is the most important thing that you can know and believe and act on and act with to overcome Satan. And not just to overcome, but to move forward so powerfully that he doesn't know what's going on. There's no way that he can overcome you. Never. He, he'll attempt to. He'll in, try to intimidate, but you will walk over him because you are not walking in your own strength. Now you are walking in the power of God Almighty. Hallelujah. When I came to you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, your own wisdom, and the, yourself or other man, but in the power of God. Our faith in the power of God what power first Corinthians 1 verse 17 says for Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel Jesus Christ and him crucified the cross of Christ to preach the gospel not with wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect so he didn't want there to be distraction from the cross of Christ for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved not just who were saved but being saved it is the power of god so i say i declare i was saved by the blood of the lamb jesus christ who died for me on the cross i am being saved by the blood of the Lamb. The one who died for me on the cross 2,000 years ago, and I will be saved by the blood of the Lamb that was shed for me 2,000 years ago. Past, present, and future. I will overcome because of Jesus Christ and him crucified. It says in verse 24, 1 Corinthians 1.24, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, whether you were religious or whether you're an intellectual, as you have grabbed a hold of Jesus Christ and him crucified, Christ The power of God and the wisdom of God. Listen, the power of God. It says here, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than man and has already overcome Satan 2,000 years ago. There's a lot more that I can say here, and um, I just want to close with this. I think I might uh, just share a little bit on this other part that I'm passing over but I just want to say this when it comes to disarming principalities and powers it already took place 2,000 years ago on the cross we started off with Colossians 2 verse 15 having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, in his death on a cross, in his blood that was shed for us, his body broken, his blood shed for us, and he made a public spectacle of the enemy. The, the victory and the, the, the boldness of moving forward is for us now as we just grab a hold and we move forward by faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified and the power of the Holy Spirit. Knowing that we are in right standing before God, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, the religious person. If you're religious, Jesus saying, I died for you. If you're an intellectual, you got it all figured out. Jesus is saying, I died for you, and I'm offering you life. For in it, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. We live in right standing with God only through the gospel of Jesus Christ as your faith is there. Tonight, if you don't know Jesus, or maybe your faith has been somewhere else, my prayer is that your faith will go back or go on to Jesus and what he did for you on the cross 2,000 years ago. I can't you say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned. You can pray it. Jesus, I have sinned. And I recognize my life, oh, my goodness, my life is messed up. But you died for me so I can have victory. I believe that. Or I'm grabbing a hold of it for the first time. Jesus, come into my life. Fill me with your spirit, man. I want to move forward in the life, the, the grace and the mercy and the right standing with God. I want to, I want to be in all, for all eternity with you. God, it's there for you as you believe, as you confess with your mouth, confess with your mouth and believe it in your heart. Jesus Christ died for you and for your sins. And you will have life as you receive him into your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray also for those believers whose faith has faltered, that it would be made strong, that it would come back to Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I also want to pray that there would be an empowering of the Holy Spirit upon us at this time as we move forward powerfully in in, not our own strength, our own wisdom but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's just pray together. Lord, I, just, I thank you tonight for this word. This word of encouragement is not a word of just barely making it, but it is a word of moving forward powerfully over the enemy, easily over the enemy because lord you easily took him out on the cross 2000 years ago and that is where we go and lord i pray for each one of us lord that our faith in you and what you did for us on the cross would not falter but lord if it's been gone off track it will come back to that thing and that place where that saved us when we first came to you and lord that it would be there each and every single day jesus christ and him crucified for me the message of the cross It's not foolishness to me, Lord, but Lord, it is your power made available to me because that is where my faith is in and who you are and what you did for me on the cross. And Lord, I want to move forward powerfully. Lord, I pray that there will be such powerful works done in these coming days and weeks. I want to say thank you, Lord, for the last few weeks. There have been such powerful miracles take place. Lord, I I just say thank you. And Lord, this is just a small little trickle of what you have in store, Lord, of a flood as you pour out your Spirit and we move and operate in the power of the Holy Spirit by faith in you, Jesus Christ, and what you did for us on the cross. Lord, moving forward powerfully as we follow you, our Commander-in-Chief. Lord, we just thank you for what is yet to come. And, Lord, we submit and surrender to your Lordship, Jesus. Have your way in us. Have your way in me at this time, Lord. I just, I just pray this in your name, Jesus, that you would be exalted, you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I just, wanna, I just want you to be encouraged. The Lord is, will see you through. Shift your faith. He will see you through your situation. You will overcome with him. Be encouraged, my dear brother and sister, and recognize the tremendous love of God for you and the power that is available to you as your faith is in Jesus Christ and him crucified and as the Holy Spirit is free then to move in and through you because of your faith. Praise God. God bless you. Have a great night and a great week. I look forward to seeing you soon and uh, miss you all. And uh, just God bless you. We're praying for you. And uh, we know we will be together soon. In Jesus' name, God bless. Thanks for joining us for the sermon. We really hope that God spoke to your life. You can find more of the word of God by watching our service live stream and listening to our podcast on our website, LighthouseNiagara.com.